Hello and welcome to a mini episode of the Three Bid League podcast. As always, I'm Tyler, joined by my co-host Matt. And in this quick little snippet, we are going to take a look at the two games for the opening day of A10 conference play on Wednesday, December the 28th. Duquesne is at Dayton. Davidson is at Fordham. And after you listen to this, be sure to have a look out on Wednesday. We will be dropping our full conference play preview. But here, just diving into the games real quick. Matt, what's the biggest thing that you're going to be watching for when Dayton meets Duquesne? Well, there's a lot. I, I think for Dayton, we've seen them now for a few games with the shorthanded rotation. And we'll see. The last couple of games, the Flyers have been playing really well. But as we know, Duquesne does a lot of their work around the perimeter. And I just wonder if some of their guards will be too quick for Dayton's taller players to keep up with. Yeah, and it is there's a little bit of a question mark for this game. We don't know fully what's going on with Duquesne from a health perspective in the backcourt. We don't know what's going on with either team in the backcourt. It's possible that both teams could be missing both of their true point guards. We might have Mike Sharv jumps against Quincy McGriff in the battle of the giants. But from what I've heard, it sounds like Duquesne's starter, Tevin Brewer is a lot closer to playing in this game than any of those other guys. So it seems like the Dukes may have their full starting lineup. And if they do, you hit on the right word. It's quickness. That is the biggest weapon for this Duquesne backcourt. Not just Brewer, who's a 5'8 lightning bug, but Trey Clark, who is just a, a dart moving along the perimeter. For Dayton fans, think of what R.J. Blakeney is able to do moving around with the ball and off the ball with just the precise cuts, but add an extra mile per hour or two in the speed department and you get Trey Clark. And he's probably going to be going up against Blakeney and Mustafa Amzil a lot in this game. And those are two guys who are excellent with physical forwards, but against quicker guys, they tend to have a little bit of trouble. And that could potentially be the one hole that I'm looking out for in an extremely strong Dayton defense. I think so. And I think a lot of those weaknesses were exposed really early on after the Flyers had a couple of their injuries where Southeast Louisiana hung 74 points at UD Arena. And a lot of that Dayton was just getting burned on cuts to the rim. They're giving up open threes. So feels like that's been addressed a little bit, but still with a dangerous three-point shooting team like Duquesne, that's something to keep an eye on. Although I do wonder if Duquesne isn't able to hit a bunch from outside, how will they do against Dayton's really impressive front line? Well, we saw in the Indiana State game for the Dukes that they can still go inside and scrap. It was an incredible performance from Trey Williams and Joe Reese. The Dukes just couldn't get it going on the perimeter. Dayday Grant was struggling, and Dayday Grant hasn't been quite the same in December as he was early in the season but he's still put, putting up some pretty excellent numbers. The Dukes can get physical and grind it out. And that's right into the heart of the Dayton defense with Deron Holmes and Tamani Kamara. But the way Dayton's playing, I'm not sure going up against the best part of their defense is really that much more difficult than going up against the perimeter D. Like the Dukes are just going to have trouble scoring from everywhere. But I think this game probably comes down to a lot more of what happens on the other side of the court. 
Yeah, I think so too. And one of the key stats that I look at with Duquesne in general, just their crazy rebounding differential, how they continue to be so strong as an offensive rebounding team, especially Austin Rotroff, who actually leading the nation in offensive rebounding rate right now. But how's that going to play too? Will Duquesne have a lot of second chance opportunities? Because I just see with Deron Holmes and Tumani Kamara, and you can even throw Amzeel in, Dayton has generally done a really good job on the boards this year, and this might be one of the tougher defensive rebounding matchups the Flyers are going to have, but it just seems like Duquesne's going to need some of those second-chance points to hang in there. Yeah, and that might be what swings the difference. I I think this game probably ends somewhere between 55 and 65 points for the Dukes. If they can keep it slow and hold Dayton to around 60, then whether or not they hit the offensive boards probably determines whether it's 57 points versus 63. And if the Dukes play good D and get into the 60s, they probably can win this game. If they don't get to 60 at all, they're probably done regardless. But I think it comes down to, most importantly, Rotrov and Reese, the two guys who are playing the plurality of minutes at center right now, they're going to have to be able to pull some down against Holmes. Well, I think that's the key too, because right now Deron Holmes is up there with Rotroff as one of the best offensive rebounders in the, in the A-10. And I, I just wonder, I feel like Duquesne's going to have the strength to guard either Holmes or Kamara. I feel like they're going to have a difficult time containing both of them. So if, if those two guys stay out of foul trouble, and if they're both on the court together, I think that's where Dayton's going to have a lot of their strength, just pounding it inside against, you know, a solid physical Duquesne interior, but just not the same as Dayton in my eyes. Well, here's the secret strength of Duquesne. They are the best equipped in the A-10, with VCU being a close second, and no one else really being a capable third to guarding both of those guys. They have the big man bodies to take them on one-on-one between Rotrov, Reese, Williams. It's possible that RJ Gunn could be back. He's someone that can get physical with Kamara while also presenting a little bit of a speed issue on the perimeter for them. David Dixon, who will struggle with the physicality, but has the length to contain those guys at the rim. Even Halil Bure, who we've seen a few minutes from, he could definitely see big time if anyone gets into foul trouble. And by the way, Duquesne's bigs are going to be able to use up their fouls because they are deep. And Holmes is going to have to go to the line 12 to 15 times in this game, and he's going to need to be better than his normal 50-ish percent. But Duquesne can get extremely physical with this team. And for Dayton's offense, this is both a nightmare matchup for them in terms of Duquesne's roster and the fact that they can contain their best guys, but also could very quietly be a great opportunity because if Duquesne repeats the mistakes that they've been making throughout the season defensively, Dayton's in perfect position to just come and destroy them. The Dukes, they get burned back door way too often. They're a very aggressive helping team. And if that happens against Dayton, if they're not retreating properly on the pick and roll, oh my God, Deron Holmes is going to have six, seven dunks in this game. 
RJ Blakeney's just going to be slipping along the perimeter and it, it could turn into a nightmare quite quickly for the Dukes. But if they're at their best, they're, they're going to give these guys a war. I think so. And I, I think with all those options in the front court too, if you don't see Duquesne using up their fouls, that would be a huge mistake by Keith Van Brod, I think, because like you said, Holmes, 63%, Kamara, 61% from the line. You can't let those guys get easy dunks, easy layups. You need to push them around a little bit, turn and turn it into a physical game and, you know, don't make it easy on them because if so, if they get a bunch of easy looks, I think Dayton's going to have a huge advantage in the game. But looking at it right now, we don't have a point spread just yet. Ken Palm has this as an eight-point win for the Flyers at home. But what's your overall take and expectation for this game? If it comes in around that number, and especially if we find out that Brewer's playing, I think you just take Duquesne with the points here. This should be a tight game either way. I would certainly pick Dayton to win right now. I think they are the more talented team and the UD arena factors certainly swings this game in their favor. But the things I'm going to want to look out for in the first four to eight minutes of this game, number one is Dayton just getting cheap free looks at the rim. If Holmes and Blakeney and Kamara are just getting open layups, then they're just going to throttle them because Duquesne has shown that in the games where they're not doing a good job of covering the backside, they have not been able to properly adjust. Now we saw against teams like DePaul, they can play well that way. And they certainly could do so against the Flyers. But let's see how many easy points in the paint the Dukes get early on. Let's see if either Mustafa Amziel or Kobe Brand just starts getting open in the corner. Because the other part of that is Duquesne's had a pretty bad three-point defense this year. They're still allowing opponents to shoot right below 36% on the year. It's actually gotten better the last few weeks, but once again, it's an issue of that final rotation. If you're going to ping the ball around four or five times like Dayton wants to do, eventually Duquesne's probably going to leave some, somebody open. If it's Blakeney and he's cold, then they're fine. If it's Holmes or Kamara shooting open threes, then I'm sure Keith Dambrod will take that. But if it's Mustafa Amziel or Kobe Brad getting free and just getting open threes, they're going to roast the Dukes here early. So I think Duquesne's got to keep Dayton somewhere in the 60 to 65 point range to win this game, to keep it close. And those are the two key things. I think we're going to know really early on if this is going to be a good game or not. I think you're right. Overall, it is going to be an interesting matchup. I think I would go with Dayton to cover if it's an eight point spread, although not by much. I could see this being a 10 or 11 point game. To me, there's just two big factors. One, I think Dayton is going to have a huge advantage rebounding the ball. We've seen that a lot recently in some of their games, Wyoming and Alcorn State. The Flyers did a good job there. And I just don't think Duquesne's going to prevent enough second-chance opportunities. The other thing, too, this is just going to be the third time of the season Duquesne is playing away from home. They played at Rupp Arena against Kentucky in a pretty big loss and then beat Colgate at St. Vincent St. Mary's, so... Duquesne's been playing a lot of games at home recently. Maybe they've gotten comfortable in their own gym. I think that might be a tough adjustment as well, just going on the road for the first time in a couple months. But we'll see. It should be a really fun way to open the season for both teams. Yeah, and the one biggest thing for Dayton, 
I think early on they're going to have to, like you said at the very outset of this, can they control the Duquesne's quickness? If we see Brewer, Clark, or Grant really get going early on in this game, Duquesne's going to be right with them. If the Dayton perimeter D and those long arms can take them out of it early, then the Flyers should cruise. So with that, that that's game, by the way, on ESPN Plus, but we do have a nationally oh televised God, game. God, that's the fact that these two play, <laughs> play each other only once this year in what should have been a rivalry game, and it's not even on national I know. TV. It's a travesty. I I was surprised to see that. When the schedule came out, you would have thought this would be a home-and-home. Home. Although, you have to keep in mind, the A-10 wanted to give Dayton a great schedule. Nobody expected Duquesne to be this good, so that, that played a factor into it. But we do have a nationally televised game. Davidson going on the road to play Fordham on CBS Sports Network, and this is another one. Preseason, I don't think we would have expected this to be quite as even of a game, but here we are. It's going to be a great game. And I think this is actually going to tell us a lot about Davidson. These are two teams that are still huge question marks in my mind. And we've all been waiting for Fordham to get into conference play because they played such a cupcake schedule, but did their job and beat all those cupcakes. So we still kind of don't know how good the Rams are, but what we do know is that they are just going to be brutally physical as hell. And they're going to try to grind this game out. We saw last year they did a great job of smothering Davidson shooters, Hyung Jin Lee and Mike Jones, taking them out of the game. But on the flip side, they got annihilated by Luka Brejkovic both times they had to play them. Well, the roster is a lot different now, and you don't need to focus your attention so much on those wing guys. You got to focus on shutting down Foster Lawyer and Sam Menenga. And I think Keith Ergo is going to have a great game plan ready to try to rough up Foster Lawyer with Kyle Rose and Antrell Charlton, who are two pretty good perimeter defenders. And Darius Quisenberry's been much improved on that end as well. So we'll see. I think they're going to just try to make life absolutely hell for Lawyer and try to take him out of this game. For me, it comes down to a clash of what I felt were the two best a-10 big men in the non-conference outside of the state of Ohio, Khalid Moore and Sam Menenga. Well, I just wonder with Fordham having a lot more physicality than Davidson, like this is a much different team, even just losing Bragkovich. All of a sudden, Davidson's a lot more finesse-oriented. They're really not a good team on the boards. And on the flip side with Fordham, you have two of the best shot blockers in the conference with Rostislav Novitsky and Abdu Sindilla and adding in Khalid Moore is a good defender too. That is a strong front line for, front line for the Rams. So I just wonder how Davidson is going to respond that, to that. It seems like it's going to put a lot of pressure on Meninga. But the other spot I looked at, just thinking that Davidson would have a tough time scoring inside, this isn't something I was really paying attention to for much of the season, but Davidson's a poor three-point shooting team this year they're hitting under 33 percent from deep on not that many attempts usually we're used to seeing Davidson attempt threes at the highest rate in the conference and this year that hasn't been the case in fact it's been below average compared to the rest of the league with only about 35 percent of their shots coming from beyond the three-point line so I feel like the Wildcats might need to go back to that we might need to see a really good three-point shooting game from 
the likes of Foster Lawyer and Connor Cochero. Well, it's no different than what I've been saying for the last few weeks about Davidson. They're just not reliable enough from the st- from the starting uh, wing guys. Whether it's Reed Bailey or Cochera or Grant Huffman, like those guys, you just don't know what you're going to get on a game by game basis. And we continue to like Davidson here because the potential is so high. And in any given moment, we could have the Reed Bailey 24 point game. We could have the Connor Cochera five of seven game from three. But at this point, it's more likely than not that that's just simply not going to happen. And so whether or not they actually shoot well from three kind of comes down to Foster Lawyer. By the way, not shooting the ball that great lately. Last four games, two for 11, 0 for 1, 2 for 8, 1 for 5 from three. He's been cold since early December. Yeah, they're going to need a big game from him. And then on the other end, too, with Davidson, I think one of their concerns, and I have this going back to the second game of the season against Wright State, I just always get concerned when the opposing team has a great one-on-one isolation type scorer. You look at Trey Calvin early in the season, who dropped 37 in that double overtime game. Khalil Shabazz, a really good player at San Francisco, had 20. Uh, they just gave up 21 against Trey Jackson of West Carolina. Like just really good scoring guards have caused Davidson problems all year. And I could see something happening again with Darius Quisenberry, who has just been one of the best like high-volume, efficient players in the A-10 this year. I feel like the matchup between him and Foster Lawyer is going to be absolutely crucial in this game, where if Fordham can't shut down Quisenberry and at least contain him to less than 20 points, I just feel like they're going to have a hard time keeping up. Well, I think they're going to have to stick Grant Huffman on him. Mm-hmm. because that's that's where Huffman earns his minutes here. And I'd actually even like to see them go bigger and a little bit more physical if that doesn't work and put Des Watson on him for a little bit once they roll into the bench. But yeah, Quisenberry is going to be a tough garden. I just kind of look all around the court to all these different matchups. I think Reed Bailey's going to have a lot of trouble with Simbilla's physicality. I think whoever you stick lawyer on, probably Kyle Rose, that's not a great matchup for Davidson defensively. Can Antro Charlton out physical? I assume he'll have Cochera on him early. He might go up against Huffman at points. It could be Bailey. I think they're going to have some issues with Charlton for anyone except Des Watson, who should be able to deal with him pretty well. But this is, this is just not a good matchup for Davidson. And that's why I said at the outset, I think we're going to learn a lot about the Wildcats in this game, because if they can play physical with Fordham and put up a good defensive performance, then they're probably a top four to six team in this conference. But meanwhile, for Fordham, if they're middle of the pack or better, which I truly believe that they are, they should be able to really rough up this team, crush them on the boards, hold them under 60 to 65 points and if this game's close to a pick I'm given that it's in Rose Hill I think Davidson's the better team I think they're more talented I think Fordham's gonna win this game I think I'm inclined to agree with you and right now this is actually interesting the line started at Fordham minus one pretty quickly shifted to Davidson being favored by a point 
So it effectively is a pick at this point, but I feel like with those matchup problems that you presented being a Fordham home game, I do think the Rams have the slight edge. Although we'll find out a lot quickly about how good the Rams actually are and how they can contend because look, they are 12 and one. They aren't the only a 10 team that would be 12 and one against that schedule dead last in terms of strength. According to Ken Palm, I think they even, yeah, they did get passed by Jamie Dixon's TCU horn frogs last week. So at the end of the day, these are two teams that struggled at home against VMI a few months apart and should be a fun matchup, though. I, I do think Fordham, if they can take advantage of their physicality over Davidson, I think they get it done at home. One, I want to close this out with one name who did not get mentioned at all as we went through this, and that's David Skogman, the backup big guy for Davidson, who I think ends up being critical to this matchup. Because Davidson's going to have to keep it close on the boards, and we've seen that Reed Bailey, the rebound numbers still just aren't there. They're going to need Skogman to come in and join Menenga in the battle with Abdu Simbilla and Khalid Moore. And he was really good. I thought he was their best player in the second half of the Purdue game. He spaced the floor. He could cause some issues for those Fordham bigs in doing so. If this is a 12.6 rebound game from David Skogman, I think Davidson, I think the scales start to tip towards Davidson. But it's going to come down to him. I think he'll also, he'd also be responsible for guarding Khalid Moore, who had a hell of a December and probably did not get enough discussion from us in this game preview. But it's okay. We'll give him his, his, his due in the full-scale conference preview. Oh, yes, we will. And that, that's going to be fun to record. As we said at the beginning of the episode, keep an eye on, out for that. We'll have a lot of thoughts on all four of the teams that we mentioned, but Overall, just a a really fun way to open the conference season with two pretty high-profile games. Uh, You know, I think these are four teams that could all put their name in the double buy race by the end of the season and should just be a really fun way to open the season. Conference play is here. Like Matt said, come back and listen to the full conference preview in the coming days. But we got two great games to start it. I think these are all quarterfinal quality or better A-10 games in these two matchups. And to quote John Rothstein, circa 2018, quoting Heath Ledger, circa 2004, here we go.